Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Nathan Wolfel Outdoors podcast. I am Nathan Wolfel of NathanWolfelOutdoors.com. Thank you very much for joining me today. It's going to be a solo episode today, and for those of you who are new to the show, this is a Wisconsin Outdoors podcast where I try to mix up a little bit of solo episodes like this one, as well as guest episodes where we feature experts from across the outdoors and all different walks and fields of outdoor life to offer their perspectives on things. But today it's going to just be me and you as we cover a bunch of topics here. I want to update on you on a bunch of awesome things that we have going on, I have going on, um, and have experienced in the outdoors recently. And then I want to revisit some more outdoor rules to live by. That's the very first episode I ever recorded. And I've been thinking in the time since of other outdoor rules I try to live by and tried to make note of them as I encountered them throughout these past hunting and fishing seasons so I could share them with all of you. A few housekeeping items before we get started here today. The first is um, if you want to follow along with my latest adventures, tips, tricks, recipes, things of that nature, no pun intended, please check out NathanWolfelOutdoors.com for the latest content. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Nathan Wolfel Outdoors or on Instagram at NDubs41. That's at N-D-U-B-S 41 on Instagram. You can also email me feedback on the show or articles you'd, you've read or um, things you'd like to see, hear about, learn more about, ideas for guests or topics for the podcast. I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at NateWolfel at gmail.com. That's N-A-T-E-W-O-E-L-F-E-L at gmail.com. And if you enjoy these episodes, be sure to hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice to make sure you never miss another show. So with that out of the way, a few life updates here. I went on an excellent king fishing, uh, king salmon fishing trip with my dad a few weeks ago. We went with uh, Bailey Adamovich of Crazy for Chrome Guide Service, and we had a blast. Uh, my dad got his first lake run king. We've caught many kings on the boat together out on the big lake, but... He got his first fall run fish, and we got more than a few. It was a lot of fun. It was crazy. My arms were sore <laughs> after we were done. Bailey told me that um, my arm, our arms would probably be sore pretty early in the morning, and he wasn't kidding. You get into a few 20-pound fish in quick succession, and it doesn't take a whole lot <laughs> to, to be breathing a little heavy or to feel a little fatigue in your arms, but it's all worth it. It was so much fun. Uh, I wrote a story about it you can find on the website. It's called Fit for a King. So there's a video included with that, as a matter of fact. So if you want to get a little glimpse into our our experience, you can do that on the website or on YouTube. Um, you can find me. Nathan Wolfel is my channel. So that was awesome. That, that run is dying down here. And um, as the fish begin actively spawning, just as Bailey does, I try to kind of lay off the fish as well and don't really pursue actively spawning fish. So that's really been kind of taking a back burner here to other outdoor activities, but I'm glad I got to get in on the King Salmon run here in Sheboygan County. And man, it's a great time of year. Um, just got done with a Ducks Unlimited banquet. I'm a member of the Between the Lakes chapter of Ducks Unlimited here in Wisconsin. And we had an excellent night. I'm, I'm a committee member and do my part to help out where I can for our Sportsman's Night Out, which is kind of a 
a smaller banquet type function that is our primary fundraiser for our chapter during the year. We had over 100 people show up and we raised enough money to preserve 64 acres of wetlands for eternity. And it feels so good. It feels so good to to see the generosity of our fellow outdoors people, to see the interest in the outdoors, to be able to make a positive impact over the over the grand scheme of time. You can produce a lot of ducks on 64 acres if it's the right 64 acres, or you can provide a lot of hunting and bird watching opportunities for a good number of people. And access is a really big thing. If we want to keep people into hunting or bird watching or hiking or whatever it may be, access to places to do that is huge. And for our chapter, small but mighty chapter, it feels so good to be able to contribute positively through events like our Sportsman's Night Out. So that was great. I'm feeling so good about that. It's added a lot of pep to my step here this week. Just knowing some of the good we were able to do and help facilitate and just to see a bunch of people and be with a bunch of people who are interested and like-minded and hoping to do some good themselves and giving them an avenue to do that. So that has been fantastic. Been out on a couple hunts recently exclusively bird hunting haven't sat in the bow stand yet but i've been out on a couple hunts and we've been successful on most of them which is always great get some meat in the freezer have some positive experiences um i tried filming a hunt for the first time one of the uh one of the young men we went on a, on a hunt with recently um it's one of my buddy's cousins actually and uh, he put together a video on a hunt I wasn't on, but it was shared with me, a video he shot exclusively with his iPhone that was pretty darn good. He ended up putting up on his YouTube channel. And I thought to myself, man, I should give that a go. So on opening day of duck season here in the southern zone in Wisconsin, I actually had my phone rolling and, and tried to put together a little video and sat out the first couple of volleys so I could try to capture some footage. And you know what? It's, it's a lot harder um, than I thought it would be getting the focus right, particularly in low light conditions, being able to uh, hone in on the on the birds that as you're in a layout blind, you might not exactly have a clear idea of where they're at and being able to find them before your buddies who are shooting find them so you can capture the action. It's not easy. My dad actually recently invested in a tactic cam, and I, I really think that's probably the way to go if you want to consistently capture quality footage. It's a lot easier than shooting with the iPhone and the fun of that. And one of the many benefits of using a Tacticam is that you don't have to sit out in the shooting part of hunting to capture footage. So my dad has his Tacticam all set up on his crossbow. So I'm interested to see what kind of footage we get that way. He's got mounts for his shotgun and his rifle as well. So hopefully we can get some cool footage and I can pass along some more pointers and tips about filming and capturing your hunts or even your fishing experiences is we get a little more versed than that. But that's kind of a life update from my side of things. And I wanted to get back into, as I mentioned at the onset of the program, some more outdoor rules to live by. And again, I will stress, I do not know it all. I don't know everything, but... I know a little about a lot, and my mission has always been to share the nuggets of knowledge I feel I possess with all of you to help all of you enjoy the outdoors as much as possible, to help you get excited about the outdoors or think differently about your time in the outdoors or 
maybe even prioritize the outdoors a little more than you have. So in my first ever episode of this podcast, I walk through three rules to live by that I try to live by that I think a lot of people should consider living by. Not, again, not that I am the end all be all or uh, the foremost expert on all of these topics, but I do think they are helpful things to keep perspective on hunting and fishing and time in the outdoors. So I kind of wanted to continue that as as fishing season wore on after that episode and we got into new hunting seasons. I, I came across some more things as I reflected on those outings that really are kind of tent poles or staples of my beliefs when it comes to spending time outside and being productive with it and being being the best outdoors person that I can be. And I wanted to pass those along to all of you. So without further ado, let's get right into them. Um, so this is Outdoor Rules to Live By, part two. And the first thing that I thought of, and this came with the advent of hunting season, the first rule in this new list that I try to live by, be the yes person. Especially in hunting situations, but this applies to fishing as well. If someone offers you the opportunity to hunt in a place that you might not be able to normally, they have a connection for private land. Um, if it's fishing, they have a boat and a spot that they're willing to share with you. Do everything in your power to say yes. Because the fact is, yes, people not only get the best experiences, but yes, people also get invited again. I try to never turn down a private land hunt if I can help it. Because on many of these hunts, we try to limit how many people we bring along with us. And if you're offered up one of those sacred spots and want to continue to be given the option to fill some of those spots that can be hard to come by, you have to be the yes person more often than not. And that's something that as hunting season rolls around and we're in the thick of it right now here in Wisconsin, I, I try to do my best to say yes as often as I responsibly can. And by doing that, I also give myself more experiences. I try that way. I'm trying not to cheat myself out of new opportunities that I may not otherwise have both in the present and in the future. And that only happens if you're consistently saying yes, when someone's gracious enough to ask. A lot of the best hunts I've been on are hunts on private land where I was not the person who made the connection with the landowner or, or had an existing connection with the landowner but I've developed a good number of connections through doing this. And that certainly helps too. Meeting some new people, getting to share and learn from them, share experiences and learn from their experiences and getting to have new experiences for yourself. It all comes from being the yes person. Fishing trips where I'm fishing spots that I know exist, but maybe with tactics I've never tried before. I only learned that because I said yes when someone offered. Now, it doesn't mean I, I expect anyone or even myself to constantly clear your schedule every single time someone offers up a chance to go hunting or fishing, but if you can say yes more often than not, you're going to accelerate your learning curve, you're going to give yourself new opportunities, and you're probably more likely to be asked again. It's a little bit of a politics thing, but it's something worth keeping in mind. So many benefits to being the yes person. And speaking of giving yourself opportunities, 
that leads me into my second rule to live by here in this list. You can't catch them from the couch. My dad says that often. You can't catch them from the couch. And I suppose this applies to hunting too. You can't shoot a deer from your living room in most cases. <laughs> and definitely not in my case. If you want to have success in the outdoors, you have to go. You have to put in the time. It's funny, I'm a member of a fishing group on Facebook. A pair of them actually. Um, that focuses on Lake Michigan fishing. And over the past few months, I've seen so many comments and posts saying, you know, I want to get out fishing for kings here in the salmon run, but I feel like the water's too warm. The conditions aren't right. Um, but what's going on? I want to go. I want to go. And sometimes it'll be the same person posting a handful of times a week in that group. And that person is met with varying responses. I try to bite my tongue and not get too involved in those conversations. But at one point, I, I saw a gentleman who had reached out several times over the course of the week, um, wanting to get out, but kind of talking himself out of going out and trying to catch fish within the post itself, saying, as I mentioned before, you know, I want to go, but the wind direction hasn't been great. The water's probably too warm. I haven't been hearing a lot of good things, but I want to go. And finally, I broke down and I, I, I commented and I said, you know, if you truly want to go fishing, you should go. It's always worth your time. If that is the thing you are constantly thinking about doing, do it. You can't catch them from the couch. That's not to say that there aren't certain times or conditions where fishing is more likely to be better than other times. There are definitely good times and bad times or better times and worse times. But if you want to fish, fish. The only way you're going to have an opportunity is if you're actually going to go. And denying yourself that opportunity because you talk yourself out of it in your mind, that's never going to catch fish for you. Unless you are an expert who positively knows what you're looking for in terms of whether it's water flow rate or water temperature or ambient temperature or wind direction or what it, whatever the case may be. If you're like me, the only way to learn and to give yourself the opportunity is to actually go. Because the fact is, firsthand knowledge is really hard to beat. And I mentioned this in my first set of outdoor rules to live by, that I would much rather be the person telling you that the fish are biting than to find out from someone else. Because if you're finding out from someone else, you've probably missed the best action. You might have slow days, but if you're the first one to have a good day, you're a step ahead of everyone else. And the only way you can be a step ahead of everyone else is by being willing to go when perhaps other people aren't. So if you want to have fulfilling outdoor experiences, you, 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 got to get out, you got to get out of the house. You got to get off the couch. You got to make the time. Nothing will ever beat the knowledge you gain yourself for yourself when, when you invest the time. And I'm a big, big believer in that. And that leads me to my third point here. My third outdoor rule to live by. And that's be open to learning. Have an open mind. 
I try to ask myself after every hunt or every fishing trip, what would I have done differently? What do I feel I could have done or have controlled to positively impact the outcome for myself? What did I do well? What should I keep doing? Were there changes I made mid-trip or my group made mid-trip that started tilting things in our favor? Well, that means I learned something. What did I learn? How can I store away that information? And I often store away that information in a hunting or fishing journal I keep. Um, and there's an article on NathanWolfleOutdoors.com that, that talks about the importance of keeping a hunting and fishing journal. There's a lot of knowledge. If you have that reflection period after your trips and you jot that knowledge down, it's amazing how quickly you build a knowledge base that will help you be successful moving forward. Having an open mind, being willing to learn to try different spots, to try different techniques and methods, and then to assess how those things did or did not work for you, that's huge. That's all about being open to learning. And by extension, I think of this often too, because um, I was just on a guided trip. You can learn so much from a guide if you're open to learning and asking questions and being perceptive of what's going on during your outing with a guide, whether you're hunting or fishing. Ask questions. And then be willing to learn and, and, and process the answers in a meaningful way. I mentioned this in my article about our trip with Bailey. When my dad and I went with him a few weeks ago, I came home and I, I opened the, app, the notes app in my phone. I wrote over a thousand words of technique type items that I learned on that one full day trip on that one float. And now when I go out on my own, I feel like I'm starting a step ahead of where I was starting because I learned something. I asked questions. If you're going to hire a guide, listen to the guide. I'm not going to make that its own rule, but it should be probably, but it's part of the bigger, the bigger picture of being open to learning. You paid money for a guide or some type of outfitting service. Use that to your advantage. There's a reason you fork out that money and a lot of it is to learn. And if you're willing to do what your guide says and do it to the best of your ability, you're going to learn some things. I go with guides just as much for the education as I do for the success rate. Because let's be honest, in most instances, guides provide an increased success rate or an increased chance of success. But you have to understand that the person that you're paying is an expert, and that's why you're paying them. Tap into their brains and their thought processes and learn why they do what they do. Ask. Any guide worth their salt is going to be willing to share that with you. And being open-minded also makes you a better client, which often gets you better results. Bailey mentioned that when he was on my show on his episode that when asked, when I asked him, you know, what makes a good client? He said, someone who listens. And when you listen, you learn. And when you learn, you're, you're, you're probably going to be more successful. Be open to learning. Be open to trying new things. 
and doing them in a meaningful way that helps you grow as an angler, as a birder, as a hunter. And over time, you will start becoming better and better at your outdoor activities of choice. So transitioning now to my fourth outdoor rule to live by. Have a plan. Have a plan. There's a lot of unpredictability when it comes to nature and dealing with wild animals, but often I find when things go awry, there was usually something I could have done if I had a better plan that would have kept me from being in that situation in the first place. Having a plan, whether hunting or fishing, minimizes variables and in turn should increase your success rate. For instance, if you find yourself way back in the sticks on public land on a bull hunt or even a gun deer hunt, it may be great that you aren't seeing a lot of other hunters. But if you don't have a plan about how you're going to get a deer out of there after you drop one, what was the point of hunting that spot? Now, I understand most people will figure something out. You know, and a lot of folks I hunt with, and sometimes as much as I hate to admit it, even I am one of these people where I'll say, you know, let's just cross that bridge if and when we get there. But that's not always the way to play it. Because even if you figure out your your plan afterward in hindsight to get that deer out of that spot, the odds that you're just going to be miserable or stressed and, and not taking the most enjoyment from what should be a very enjoyable moment, the odds of making things worse for yourself are high. And that defeats the whole purpose. We go outdoors, we hunt to enjoy it. Having a plan will increase your enjoyment. If I shoot a deer here, how am I going to get it out? If ducks come over in this way, where can I shoot to have the best chance of dropping a bird over water where it's easy to retrieve? If I drop one in the grass, do I have a dog? And if I don't, how confident am I in my marking skills? And if I'm not very confident, I probably shouldn't be taking shots. I should have those zones picked out ahead of time where if this is where the birds finish, you got to let them go. Because if you don't, there's a chance you're just going to be making things difficult for yourself. Or even worse, you know, winging a bird or dropping a bird in a place where you don't ever find it. Shooting a deer that runs on a neighboring land that now you're not able to legally track without a bunch of legwork. And even then, you're not guaranteed that you're going to be granted the access you need to legally retrieve the deer. Why put yourself in that position? If you have a plan, you probably aren't setting up in a spot like that. Or you're talking to the landowner ahead of time and seeking out permission to retrieve your animal. It's all about having a plan. I often run into people when I'm fishing, because this goes for fishing too. I often run into people, like we'll be fishing the pier, one of the two piers in, in Sheboygan, right on Lake Michigan. Or even when I'm fishing steelhead or salmon upriver during the run, I run into folks who don't have a net on them. 
And that just puzzles me. Especially when we fish the piers where it's, it's a decent drop to the water. Okay, you hooked into a 20 or a 30 pound fish if it's a king salmon. It's six or seven feet to the water. Now what? Cool, you hooked into one. But if you don't have a way to land it, there's really no point in hooking into one in the first place, is there? And if there's no point in hooking into one, if there's no point in having success, then why are you here? You need to have a plan. It increases enjoyment. It increases your chances of success is having a plan. People who go and fish for smallmouth bass, but then in the river, but then don't have waders or boots and the fish runs to a point where they can't land it without getting wet. And if it's in fall or early spring, getting wet's not a whole lot of fun. I mean, maybe a walk in the river when it's 80 degrees out isn't so bad, but in certain times of year, you got to plan for that. You have to have a plan. If you're fishing, going back to the salmon or trout run, even if you have a net, okay, if you hook into a fish, are you able to get down to the water level to net it from where you are? Sometimes it's a matter of finding a way to walk across to the other bank to fish the same hole that you would have fished, but just from a different angle that's going to give you a fighting chance of landing the fish because of where you are. Yeah, you might be closer to, the, to that hole of choice on the near bank, but then you hook into a fish and there's really no safe way to get down to the water with the net. And if you're flying solo, what are you going to do? You've got a fish just pounding on your rod in one hand, you've got a net in the other, and no real path down to the water? What are you going to do? If achieving the desired goal is going to create unnecessary stress or perhaps a poor outcome, you don't have a good enough plan. And while you cannot predict everything, as I mentioned before, particularly with wild animals, there is no excuse in a lot of situations for not having a plan ahead of time. A little advanced thought can go a long way. And it's just so important to have a plan. In some instances, having a plan is also crucial to safety. If you're doing a deer drive, everyone has to have a role and an assignment and an understanding of what they need to do in order to keep everyone safe. You can't have anyone freelancing. You need to be predictable. People who are walking or pushing need to be in a safe place. The people who are posted up and shooting need to understand where they can and cannot shoot. In extreme cases, having a plan is the difference between life and death. Now, I don't find myself in those situations often, and this is admittedly an extreme example, but it's a very real one. In that circumstance of doing a deer drive, you have to have a plan before the drive starts. It's a matter of safety. So that's something I strongly believe in is having a plan.
and, and assessing situations before you encounter them to the best of your ability to keep everyone safe, to maximize your chances at success, and to maximize enjoyment. If I slip and fall out of my tree stand on a solo hunt, what am I going to do? Did I tell someone where I was so that if something bad would happen, they would at least know where to start a search for me? Same thing with fishing. If I'm wading in the river solo and I fill my waders and run into some trouble, would someone even know where to come looking for me? Well, if you had a plan and told someone and stuck to that plan, you greatly increase the odds that someone's going to get to you to be able to administer the kind of help you may need in a bad situation like that. Having a plan is crucial. I'm a big, big believer in that. Controlling what you can control and communicating effective plans and having an effective plan that even an agreement with yourself about how things should or shouldn't go is huge. And finally, my fifth outdoor rule to live by here in part two of my list Pass it on. I try very hard to live by that rule. Pass it on. Be an ambassador for your outdoor activity of choice. If you have the chance to share your passions for the outdoors with someone else, do it. Don't just assume that they're going to do it on their own or have someone else in their life that's going to share your passion with them. Because oftentimes, those things aren't going to happen. This is where you need to take matters into your own hands. If someone wants to go fishing, take them. Only you can provide the perspective that you have, can pass along the information and knowledge that you've gained. Only you can do that. If you're listening to the show, I assume you get excited about the outdoors. Harness that passion, that fire, and don't be afraid to share it, to pass it on. Because the only way that these outdoor traditions that we all enjoy are going to make it through from generation to generation is if we take the time to pass them on to others. If we don't, those nuggets of information, those traditions, those beliefs, those die with us. And I don't think any of us want that. Pass it on however you can, whether it's sharing wild game at a family function and letting other people get a taste of something for the first time. Taking someone hunting, taking someone fishing, taking someone birding. Being willing to answer questions for those around you who are considering getting into your outdoor activity of choice. Volunteering to be mentors for youth hunts, for youth fishing trips for organizations that promote outdoor awareness and activity. Invest the time. Be willing to share. As Joel Bryce talked about on the most recent show, there's this romantic notion that people have that if you encounter fewer hunters or anglers, that there's somehow going to be more for you. More birds for you, more hunting opportunity for you, more fish for you. But that's not necessarily true. The greater good plays a huge role in the outdoors. 
and sharing that belief, that passion for the greater good, is a key part of maintaining a healthy population of people who respect and cherish the outdoors. So whenever you have the opportunity, no matter how little of a way or how little of an opening it may seem, pass it on. Pass on your outdoor passions. And that doesn't mean everyone you share with is instantly going to become addicted to the thing that you so enjoy. But that doesn't mean it wasn't worth your time to share. Every little bit helps. In a way, that's the larger mission of this podcast and this website. As I said at the beginning of the show, I don't know everything, but I want to share what I do know. I want to share my passion, share my knowledge, share my mistakes, and I make plenty of them. But I get excited about having success, about learning new things, and when I do, I want to pass it on. So if you find an opportunity to pass on your love for the outdoors in any way, no matter how small, Be sure to take advantage of it, to be an ambassador, a steward of the outdoors. So to recap, the newest additions to my list of outdoor rules to live by. Be the yes person. Be the yes person. Don't turn down opportunities if you don't have to. You can't catch them from the couch. If you want to catch fish, you got to go. You want to shoot ducks, you got to go. First-hand knowledge and gaining first-hand experience will get you where you want to go faster than constantly talking yourself out of the opportunities to go, to be out there, to be in the thick of it, to be learning. Be open to learning. That's number three. Be open to learning. Keep an open mind. Constantly ask yourself what you did well, what you could do better, what you learned from each and every time. You spend a moment in the outdoors. Have a plan. That's number four. Have a plan. Critically think through your situation before you're in it. And know how you're going to react if certain things play out. And then finally, pass it on. Number five, pass it on. If you have the chance to share your outdoor love with others, do it. Don't just assume there are other people who will do that for you. Be a shining light for those who are looking to maybe just get a little taste of the outdoors. So that will put a wrap on this episode, a little bit shorter. Um, We're going to get back into guest episodes with the next episode, but I thank you very much for your time and checking out this podcast. As a reminder, I am open to feedback. If you have a topic you'd like covered, a question you want answered, um, any feedback on the show, positive or negative, Reach out to me via email at natewolfel at gmail.com. That's N-A-T-E-W-O-E-L-F-E-L at gmail.com. You can follow me on Facebook at Nathan Wolfel Outdoors or on Instagram at ndubs41. That's at N-D-U-B-S 41 on Instagram. Be sure to check out nathanwolfeloutdoors.com frequently for updated content. I try to put something new on at least once a week. So be sure to check back often. And if you like what you're hearing on this show, subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you are listening to the show right now, hit that subscribe button. You'll never miss another show. And there are a lot more coming. So I hope you'll join me in those shows as well. I appreciate the support from all of you. 
I appreciate the feedback I have received, but I'm always open to more. The larger we can build this community, the more good we can do. So let's keep building it. I hope you get some time in the outdoors between now and the next time we talk. We'll speak again real soon.